Welcome back to Sins Through Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in James chapter 2. It reads, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, You, sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, You, stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the laws as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe in shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and his faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as a body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. As we jump in here to chapter 2 of James, it really has two main focuses. We're going to use one of them for our anchor for the day, and we're going to use the other one for our question. So for our anchor for today, we're going to ask the question, how is it that you show your love to others around you? As this chapter talks about the sin of partiality, it's probably better for us to understand this as favoritism, especially in our context of student ministry. A lot of us are not really assessing people's wealth when they come in, like a church might be. Obviously, a church that has wealthy people coming in would want wealthy people to be giving to the church and would do things to allow them to see their importance and to show favor to them in kind of a self-serving way. But in our situation for student ministry, we're not really assessing people's wealth as far as our students, but we do deal with this thought of favoritism. Somebody who comes in who looks or acts or is in some way attractive to us because we think that we can be friends with that person, we think that that person is fun or cool or entertaining or is funny, whatever it might be that makes it so that we treat that person differently than somebody who walks in and might be quiet and reserved and unassuming. This is what this chapter is talking about. Do we fulfill the royal law or the law of the scripture that we display love to all people? 
Because it's easy to love people who are just like us, that act like us, that want the things that we want and want to do the things that we want to do. But it's harder for us to love people who are not like us, people who might be different, who have different desires, different ways in which they are wired, different things that interest them, different things that they want to talk about, different things that they want to do. It's harder to engage those people and it's harder to support and encourage and live life with people that are different than us. But it is a commitment that the Christian should be making because we've been called to love all people. And if we say that we're fulfilling God's law and we even fall on this little thing of showing favoritism to other people, we're really guilty of everything. And that's the main point that James gives us here, that if we think we're perfect, how do we treat other people? Do we really view the way in which we live around other people as a true reflection of our relationship with God? Because if we're in right standing with God, we should seek to be in right standing with the people around us, meaning that we are living sacrificially, that we're serving others, and that we're considering their needs as more important than our own, that we're going out of our way to engage them. We're going out of our way to make sure that they feel comfortable at our gatherings. We're going out of our way to make sure that their needs are met and that they are welcomed and that they are feeling that they are a part of what's going on in every aspect of what we're doing. But if we're not doing those things, we're guilty of all things. We have sin in our lives still, and that sin needs to be atoned for. We need to repent of that sin, and we need to move forward in the grace of God and the hope that he will restore us to usefulness and that he will allow us to continue to be molded and shaped and directed on how we can best represent him to all of those around us. And so the question for us today is, do we show favoritism in our midst? Do we show favoritism as students, as leaders, as individuals in the church, as we interact with others, especially here within our gatherings? This passage speaks specifically to these people coming into the gatherings and the favoritism being displayed. Do we have eyes for the newer people? Do we have eyes for the people who are quiet, who are guests, who are possibly seeking to hear the gospel for the first time? Do we have eyes to understand and to see the way in which God desires us to see all people? That's the challenge that we're asked to look in the mirror for today. Are we able to distinguish what God wants us to think and do from what our own hearts might be trying to deceive us to do? And so I pray that as we reflect on that today, that we would be able to see the ways in which we might be guilty of doing this, that we would confess those, that we would repent, and that we would seek God's guidance to help us grow to be better lovers of the other people in our midst. As far as our question from this passage, we're going to focus on the second half of this chapter as it displays the relationship between faith and works. It's commonly believed that these two things don't go together. I say that because of the way in which the authors of Scripture are trying to combat this works-based or merit-based salvation in terms of an individual is able to do something to gain or to merit their salvation. They seek to follow a list of rules, do's and don'ts, whatever it might be, so that they are granted favor with God, and then God is required to give them salvation. So that is what is commonly referred to as works-based salvation. What happens is, because of that relationship and because of that importance of that erroneous teaching, people often will downplay the importance of works and the presence of works in people's lives. James steps in to say, hey, that's not the case. 
In some places, James has been pitted against Paul and what he says in Romans about the relationship of faith and works and about the faith displayed before the works that takes place there. What we see is these two passages are actually talking about the same thing. James says, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. His faith leads to his works. His faith precipitates or is the foundation for his works. Apart from his faith, there would be no works that would be coming out of him that would be good or focused on what is truly meant for man to be doing. But he displays from Abraham's life, he displays from the calls of the different places in Scripture, that our faith is displayed through the way in which we are actually living it out through our works. And so this makes it so that we can't just say, ah, I believe in God, I want to go to heaven. Yeah, these are all great things. Why would I not want to do those things? It means that we can't just make that claim without backing that up by the way that we live our life. Or if we're doing that, we're really just deceiving ourselves because we're not deceiving the people around us because those people will see the truth that we're not living the way that we think or say that we are. Verse 22 really centers this in on this fact. It says, you see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. The faith is shown and demonstrated. It's tried, it's tested, it's revealed and proved to be true by the way in which the person lives their life. And so faith and works are two things that go hand in hand. They need to both be present faith first, followed by works, to display the fact that we are genuine believers who are reflecting on the salvation that we claim, and we are seeking to honor God through our lives. Now, somebody might say, okay, well, let's talk about the thief on the cross, the guy who gives his life to the Lord at the specific moment where he's basically just about to die. Does he have the ability to do any works? First off, let's understand that he did take a stand before the mocking people around him for the Lord. So if nothing else, you could say that was one work that he did. It was one opportunity that he had where he could have stayed silent and could have made it so that he did not have to endure the ridicule or the other things that were being cast at Jesus, as well as then himself as he aligned himself with him. But instead, he was willing to take on the suffering that came with making that profession of faith. That was a step of faith shown through his works. But when we talk about these like deathbed type conversions and the things that are taking place, these are possible. It is genuine that this person could repent of their sins and be forgiven. There is nothing that says that you have to amass a certain amount of good works to display those things. But what James is really talking about is these people who have made this profession of faith and now it doesn't appear to be present in their life as they've had opportunities to do good works, as they've had opportunities to represent and to live the gospel out in their daily life. They're not doing it. And so he's questioning them on the genuineness of their faith. Is it really present? Or are they just like the demons who, yeah, they know God's real, but that doesn't mean that they worship him. And so we shouldn't seek to try to find these other little loopholes that would allow people to be saved or anything like that. But we should understand that the deathbed conversion is not what's being addressed here. But instead, it's the pattern of the person's life who has been a professing believer who now needs to be displaying the works that go along with their faith to complete that and to show that they are genuine in their faith. And so as we look at this relationship between faith and works, as we answer the question, what is the relationship with faith and works? Hopefully we understand that faith precedes works and that works display a faith that is already present. 
As you walk through these scriptures today, as you think about different things that you have questions about, continue to dive into them, continue to study them. Look for the ways in which other scriptures apply them or other scriptures explain them like we did today as we think about the book of Romans and the impact that it has here on what this book is saying. As you endeavor to study God's word today, know you are loved. You're-